All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning. You'll have to let me know how the sound is. I tried to mess with it and work with it yesterday and uh, tried to make it better. So hopefully it's somewhat better, okay? Good. I, well, I hope I'm not drowning you out, but I'm used to having to really push to get my sound out. So, all right, so last week, we were ready for question nine in Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we left off. So I'm going to read the verses that go with this, actually starting in verse 32 through 39. That's Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward." For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, question number nine is what three things do we need to receive the promise of God? Confidence in our reward, endurance, and faith. Those are the three things. We need confidence, we need endurance, and we need faith. And he says that plainly in the, in the verses here. In 35, confidence, which has great reward. Endurance, so that we may receive the promise, we have to stay with it. And then faith. And we're going to get into faith in the very next chapter. This is kind of, these last two verses are kind of, they kind of really flow into the next chapter. And in that first statement. So does anybody have anything else to say on that before we do move into... Yes, go ahead. In verse 39, I added a fourth thing on number nine, and that was courage. Yeah, because uh, we did not... Uh, well, talked about shrinking back, and if you're shrinking back, you're being timid instead of being bold uh, and having courage in your faith. Oh, so it, it, on the drawback, shrinking back would be shrinking back maybe in fear or in some such as that, and then... So you're saying courage, and that's true. We do need courage. We do need courage to be bold for the Lord. So that's true. That's a good fourth one there. Okay. Does anyone have anything else? All right. So I'm going to move us on to Hebrews chapter 11. Now chapter 11, like I was saying, and you'll notice in his summary up here at the top, the last verse or two of the previous chapter kind of goes with chapter 11 because it's feeding in to that first thought in Hebrews verse 1. 
So he mentions this here in the little summary. And then the points to ponder and question number one, those really go together. Um, so like for question number one, the main points of the chapter are the definition of faith, which he gives us in the first three verses. And then he gives us all these examples from the Old Testament. I call it the heroes of faith. I heard somebody else call it that, and it's always stuck with me. Chapter 11 is like the heroes of faith, right? And it doesn't mean they're perfect people, but they had faith, and that worked to, uh, it worked for them. You know, God made things happen through them. So that's the main points of the chapter there, right? So I'm going to move this down. We're going to read like the first verse here. But I want to read the last couple of verses so that they kind of go together. If you look at 38 and 39 for chapter 10, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 2 for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So our question number two is, how, what is, what is the definition of faith? Let's say it like that. According to this chapter, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? If we look at the New International Version, it reads slightly differently, not, not tremendously, but it might be a little plainer and clearer. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. So that's the first two verses if you look at the International Version. Does that help any? Yes, Pat. I was thinking uh, the definition That's right. We can see the results. We can see what happens, how it affects things, but we can't see the wind. Right. So kind of like that. And how they how they put it here is that it's it is the substance of things hoped for. It is like confidence in what we hope for it is a belief and it is a guarantee or a to us. It's like a guarantee of what we hope for, what we believe. Faith is that we believe in, in something that we do not see. And the wind is a good example of that. I've heard that used before. Does anyone have anything else on that? Okay, because we see all the things that God has done, right? If we look out in the world, we see all the things that he has created, all the miracles that he has for us, even in this life. All right, so let's look at Hebrews verse, chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So what do we understand by faith concerning the worlds? We know that they have been made because we have the evidence to live on. Right. We just don't see how it was made. We have the evidence that it was made. We know it was made. We know it came into being. Go ahead, Pat. We know that it was made by the word of God. Right. And that's what we 
we need something, we have material in front of us to put it together. But there was nothing. God made the world out of nothing. He created. Right. God created created the universe, everything from nothing, because we know that there was nothing until he actually did that. So yeah, he created the worlds and everything else out of nothing. Um, but even though we don't see God, again, we see the evidence, like you were speaking of the wind, we see the evidence of what he has done. So that we know, you know, uh, if you think about it, the way things are designed and the way things work, because they are designed and they're not just pure chaos, proves that there is, in my mind at least, proves that there is a creator behind everything. Because there is a logical way that everything functions and works. Anyway, that's just my thought. So, we know they were framed, they were made, they were created by the Word of God. And that's how he created everything in the beginning, which was not visible and is not visible to us right now, except for our Bible, of course. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. Oh, I was going to make a yes. comment. I remember years ago, Larry took his watch off and laid it on the pulpit. And he said, you know, somebody made this watch. It just didn't come uh, about nothing. Right. God created it. Somebody put God into that, and then they had to go and, and they had to put it together, where, you know, what we're reading now, and God didn't have to do that. Right. A watch is a, is a good example of that. There was, someone took things and made that, right? They took that. And I know what you're saying. God didn't have to have anything ahead of time, because he created the things to create everything else, but yeah, that shows there's a good logical design there, too. So I'm going to switch it up, and I want to look at question five before we look at four. So I'm going to read the verses leading up to question five, and then we'll come back to question four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was Okay, pardon me. For he waited for the city which has foundations, 
whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now if we look at question number five, right, I was skipping four, I have to keep that in my mind. So if we look at question five, what did these heroes of faith look forward to receiving? Well, the promise of heaven, yes, and we look forward to receiving the promise of heaven as well. Um, anything else? Yes. Right. We we kind of call that heaven, but it's the promises are regarding the heavenly country and the heavenly city, right? As we see that, if you if you go to the end. And look in Revelation, you can see talking of the heavenly city. Well, yeah, the new Jerusalem. Oh, does he? Okay, I didn't remember that right off, but that's fine. That's good. Okay. So, see, there's there's places where that's mentioned. Um, let's see. So, that's what they were looking forward to receiving. In Abraham's case, you know, if you think about it, he was looking to receive... Uh, the land of Canaan that was promised to him as well, right? So there's like a, almost like a double promise because in the long term, yes, he's looking for the heavenly country and city, but, but he's looking for his and his uh, descendants to have Israel, basically, what, what should be, what should have been and what should be Israel. All right. Ah, I'm, I'm trying to skip four. I'm so sorry. Okay, so now we're going to read the rest of uh, these verses, uh, 17 through 32, so that we can answer question number four. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. 
By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. And we're going to stop there. We'll come back to that. But for question number four, list the names of the Old Testament saints mentioned in this chapter. And there's a lot of them if anybody wants to do that. Or if you just want to mention a few of them, I can always mark them off. We can make sure we get them all if you want. Okay, so that was Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, and Joseph. Oh, Esau. I didn't. Okay. Okay. I must. I. I must have missed Esau there. That's. I guess I don't think of him that way. <laughs> he is mentioned in verse twenty. Let's take a look here. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So I didn't read. Okay. All right. So maybe Esau is not really necessarily because he did do, but they all made mistakes though. So nonetheless, so we also have Abel mentioned, right? And Isaac and Moses, of course, is mentioned and multiple examples for Moses. Um, Yes. And then you have weird things like verse, verse 31, Rahab. Mm -hmm. And it reminds us, Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> yes. So, so you've got some, you know, not everybody's perfect in here, but of course, through faith, she, she did show faithfulness and obedience to, to yep. work with God's will and help the spies. Yes, Rahab did. And now, Rahab also, besides being a prostitute, she also lied. And that was part of her act of faith was that she actually lied to protect the scouts. We've, I think we've talked about that before. I mean, it's a rare time where, you know, you're saving innocent lives that, you know, lying might be acceptable. Part of an act of war, yeah. But anyway, that's just something to think about.
Let's see. Is anybody? Yes, Pam? I was thinking of David. We're studying about him on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's different places. Uh, he shows up in Luke 10, Oh, David, yes. When he killed Goliath, that was a huge act of faith, wasn't it? And the funny thing is, he had been building his faith for that moment. If you look at his story, because he had already killed what, a lion and a bear. So he had, God had been putting him in situations building his faith. It's just something to think about. I mean, So David's faith. And then, of course, we also had the mention of, this was a very quick mention of like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. And Samuel, and then it just says the prophets, right? So that covers a lot of people. Anybody have anything else on that? All right. So if we look at Hebrews eleven, we'll go thirty-two through thirty-five, so that kind of kind of flows and makes sense. We'll be ready for question six. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Pardon me. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So these are the things being referred to here. And question number six lists some of the amazing things done by faith. If you have specific examples, that's cool. Right, the deliverance from Egypt and the Exodus, yeah. I mean, Moses, God worked through Moses and Aaron. To, and then the parting of the Red Sea, yes. And then later we see, yes, did you have something? Car, I get confused that Elijah or Elisha that uh, raised the son from the dead. There. Elisha. I do remember that vaguely. I did not remember that that clearly. I was actually going to ask if someone had that example because I couldn't remember it. So that's Elisha. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes. All right. Yeah. They had faith going into those battles. Remember those battles where God really, they really didn't have to do much of anything. They just had to go and be there and God took care of it. I mean, we have examples of that. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if I'm saying that correctly. But yes. Yes. And the Lord was with them in the fire. And they were not burned, and that was a... And there were people around that fire that when they got too close, they just were burned up and died. 
So, I mean, that was really a super hot fire when you realize that. Yes. I think of Abraham getting ready to offer his son Isaac as an act of faith. Abraham offering Isaac was a huge act of faith. But the fact that he had Isaac was also an act of faith, right? But, but yeah, that was a huge act of faith that he offered his son. I think that was an important part of what made Abraham special. Anything else? Oh. Thing is perhaps he thought that if God did take him, he would be able to bring him back to life or Yes, it, it says that he, he believed that even if God did take Isaac, if, if he did sacrifice Isaac, that God could raise him up if he so wanted to, if he so desired. That takes faith. Yep. And that would be very hard to do, to, to sacrifice your child like that. So. There was Daniel in the lion's den. They mentioned specifically, was that verse 33? Stop the mouths of lions. So yeah. And there's there's just a bunch of things here that you can look at. Yes. Being strong out of weakness, verse 34. Um, Gideon was purposely told to reduce his army down to what 300. Oh, that's right. But then even thinking of other things like Joseph was made a slave and imprisoned, and then he became second in command of all of Egypt. You know? Right, right. So both of those are yeah, yeah, both of those are good. Gideon did have to whittle his army down really low, and then that was so Garden could God could prove that he was with them and actually went in the fight for them. And then Joseph, yeah, Joseph went through a lot of injustice before he came out of prison to become the second in command. Yes. I think there's a lot of things if we look at if we look at our lives, there's probably a lot of things that are acts of faith and some of it we may not even think about. Um just coming here even could be considered an act of faith because I wouldn't show up if I didn't believe. I mean just a thought. You know. I was thinking of being baptized as an act of faith, knowing yeah. by doing that my being baptized is it is an act of faith and and more so but and more than that but still yeah it is an act of faith as well it is because you you wouldn't do it if you didn't believe I mean you, again I think Samson was probably out of weakness was a strong his last act well that's you can equate that to that too yes yeah, Samson. Because his last act, even though they had cut his hair and he didn't have his strength, he asked for the strength to bring that place down, and he did. God made him strong again, and he did. So. Well, and himself, yes, right. But he was, yep, he was blind. He, they had blinded him. So. All right. So I'm, yes. The act of faith, but going to the cross. Oh, faith. yeah. Jesus, I mean, really, Jesus showed faith in everything. The fact that he came, knowing what he was going to do, you're right. Going to the cross, that was a huge, tremendous act of faith. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to 
Moving us on, we could probably go on forever, right? Uh, there's just so many things that have been done through faith. So let's look at the next few verses here. Hebrews chapter 11, 35 through 48. So I'm repeating 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. So, question number seven lists some of the things these people of faith endured. And actually, Shirley had talked about Samson, and you can definitely see he was in chains and treated that way there. Yep. Torture and mocking, scourging, chains of imprisonment, right? They were, yep, poverty. They were wandering destitute in mountains and caves. Yeah, David was hiding in caves at one point, too. Wasn't he hiding from Saul, right? So that was that's hiding from persecution for sure, because Saul was wanting to kill him, so... All right, I think our time is up for this morning, so I'm going to stop here. We will pick up from, let's see, with uh, question eight and those verses here next week. Thank you all for your time and your attention and interaction.